Hi, Anna. I know it's Martin. Um, how are you? Um, I'm okay. Um, yeah, I'm okay. Uh, Nina is going back to kindergarten tomorrow. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's good. And uh, and can you start back in school next week? So. Okay. Hopefully, I'm able to do <laughs> a work. Yeah. 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 Has your work been affected at all? Have you had any cancellations or projects that have had to change because of the the pandemic? Yes, I mean we cancelled the workshop which I was running in Zambia together with Tentas. Mm. Um, it did it did in a way continue online, but not in the way. Uh, of being present for the artists that we're taking part, mm. but just that you have this very unsure um, situation. You don't know exactly what is going to happen. Yeah. So yeah. it 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 it. I have to start thinking of a different uh, um, of a different way of working. Yeah. I am also reached. I have also reached at a point with where I feel like I shouldn't uh, push so much. Because mm. in pushing to have my to have that space, it also means I'm using so much energy uh, mm. of organizing than to work actually on the work. Mm. So, mm. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting the way that this is um, the the pandemic is forcing many of us as individuals or as institutions to think differently about access. You know, like mm. what. Or even production, you know, like, but it's an interesting um, opportunity to to to, to reevaluate um, access. But at the same time, I see that there are huge obstacles and there's uh, kind mm. of some anxiety which is created by all this. Uh, but I don't know. I I usually tend not to to use so much time to to think of the problems. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. so that's where I am. I'm not thinking uh, of the, all the problem that this can bring. I think every time my mind is trying to find what is the solution. Yeah. What, what, what do I? How do I make it differently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you um, can you just talk a little bit about the the program, the workshops in Zambia, about that project with the tent house? Yeah. So um, some years ago, we started collecting books mm. uh, to start up a, a library research center. So, uh, which is a, a yeah, kind of a hub where uh, students, architect, design, and art and film. Mm. Because those are most of the books in our collection. So we thought and art theory as well. Yeah. So we're a, a resource center to come. And uh, and over the years, I think we used so much time to try and lobby the government to give us uh, land and things like that. So hmm. uh, in uh, 2017, I approached a few artists and then started working with those artists over a period of a year mm-hmm. to produce an exhibition. Hmm. And that was also because we are talking about art and articulation uh, through the locker project, that's what it's called. Mm. Uh, but we don't have, uh, there are no examples to show uh, either young artists or, or challenge the older artists to work more critically. Mm. 
So, so then we, we that's um, that was the idea we started. Then in, and then I think the reaction from that show, which opened in 2017 and went into 2018, it was very interesting to see the reaction from this. Uh, from the the artists that participated and also the different discussions we had. Mm. So then I thought maybe it was best to to launch, to try to do a workshop. It's also a discussion between me and a colleague of mine uh, mm. who started his PhD at the same time as me, Romeo Gongora. He's a Canadian, uh, French-Canadian from Quebec and doing his PhD at Goldsmith. Mm. So we started uh, we started um, that project, and then of course the because we are both working of course with uh, decoloniality, mm. and we thought how how do we do this teaching without hierarchies and and also looking for different uh, kind of uh, sensibilities of how to deconstruct the already knowledge which is there which is partly colonized. So mm. we started uh, this alternative uh, kind of school of thought, which uh, basically when we invite people, we ask them to work in uh, in a medium which they have not worked before in. Oh, wow. So mm. if you're a sound artist, we are mm. going to invite you to, to make a workshop on painting. Mm. Mm. And... Um, and of course, we also invite other people that are maybe like uh, more like uh, experts on painting and history. Mm. Uh, and then they have to work together. So in partly they are learning from each other as uh, established artists mm. or thinkers, but also they are approaching uh, a field, still talking about art and articulation and uh, decoloniality, but more using a medium which their participants and them all feel like it's new. They are working mm, uh, mm. with it from a newer kind of perspective. And, and now when Tent House went, because then I was also going there as, um, uh, because this time I felt like maybe it's best that I I am there as a discussant mm. and an observer. Mm. And I asked, um, uh, Helen works very much with drawing uh, mm. and sculpture, uh, so is Eba. So I asked them to make a workshop on uh, video performative art. Mm. Yeah. So in a way, because I, I understand, I think we work in different mediums, but in a way to dissect, deconstruct information is most of the time kind of similar. Mm. So articulation is always what is uh, important. So, uh, so those they are like they are every semester. Every semester, like a different group of people come, mm. and also, um, and also the interesting thing is like when we advertise the um, the workshop, we advertise it uh, internationally, and we we ask everyone who is in. Uh, either there's a curator or somebody who's trying to become a curator, mm. a visual artist, a sound artist, a writer, mm. a filmmaker. So we advertise to different people. 
But I think what was also what's also interesting for us it's like because uh, as I was saying that we are teaching without hierarchies we are looking for different uh, yeah, uh, yeah. sensibilities of knowledges so it also means that we have to find people within the community that have the knowledge which are not coming from the typical art world or academic world so you are bringing you're bringing maybe a retired teacher mm. who has knowledge on the the different cultures from the Luvale people yeah. and then of course they're going to talk about uh, that culture with us and the different knowledges which we have never heard before but i think what is interesting now is to find how we use that knowledge within a contemporary uh, discussion mm. and i think that is the most interesting because it helps us to kind of relook at knowledge differently if we are going to really talk about decoloniality because the problem with uh, with the different theories which have been reading is like people are writing about decoloniality mm. but but not so many of the thinkers are going and practicing you know yeah. getting yeah. involved with these indigenous knowledges to be able to to deconstruct the knowledges to just de- de- deconstruct the you know the already colonized uh, yeah. ways of thinking that exist now yeah 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 so so i think for me that is what is in- interesting and i'm always looking forward to so so this is also partly why i am so committed to to do this mm, so, mm. yeah and so how yeah. is the how is the change of of methodology or the breaking of hierarchy how does that change the the teaching environment or the learning environment like what yeah what are the what what are the results of that do you think i mean uh i think first of all it also just gives the because i think i first of all it also gives the the people that are practicing that each one of them has uh each one of them has uh, an entitlement of the knowledge that is coming out okay. of what yeah. is happening. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, sure. Because in a way they feel that this yeah. is part of what they have brought out. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And and also uh, even in the presentation, you also as a facilitator, you also have to present your work uh, and ask for criticism from the people that are taking part in the workshop so it's not where by mm. a teacher just talks of their work into to peers or like in an open forum mm. but but within the workshop because that it means that people are going to talk about it and it's going to be brought back into the discussion many times mm. and then of course you're also forced to to hear things probably which you have not heard because you're also presenting your works to to people, first of all, you also have these uh, um, elders in the community, which we mm. bring to as to be part of the facilitating groups. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So we probably have completely knowledge on something different, <laughs> which has got nothing to do with uh, what the artist is working on. Mm, you know, mm. or or how the artist is work, what medium they they are not working in that they probably maybe they are just experts on they're experts by experience that for instance there's an old man who is the first governor of uh, the first black governor in Livingston mm. you know so he's brought in he's talking about his experience as a youth 
mm. you know. Mm. So in a way, he's sharing with uh, a 20-plus mm. year old who's talking about their experience now. Mm. You know, they are trying to talk about similarities and also what they are learning from each other. How mm. was, uh, how did, what kind of, uh, uh, what kind of uh, strategies did uh, the people have to fight uh, the resistance or the kind of uh, resistance uh, of the colonial resistance th that time. But mm. then, of course, you have the young artists also asking how they see the colonial, how do they compare the colonial government then and the government now? Mm -hmm. You know, mm. what are the similarities? Mm. So you have this, you allow this kind of a collective learning. Mm. You know? So, so that was just another idea, and of course, because uh, when it comes to knowledge and or way of learning now in places like Zambia, mm. whether it comes to politics uh, or education itself, our knowledges are usually very much um, our our knowledges are usually very much like borrowed because we have an English education system. Mm. which has been somehow Africanized. It has been changed, uh, restructured a number of times yeah. without really uh, uh, changing to benefit uh, a way of thinking. It has not allowed the different knowledges that existed before colonialism to get into uh, the kind of the curriculum. Yeah. So, so in a way, it's. Uh, I think uh, I find it for me exciting that what could we like? For instance, now we were thinking of uh, the workshop was about performance and video making. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> and in Zambia we have different cultures where they practice different performances. Mm. And so, uh, how? What exactly, what does it mean to be a performer? What does it mean to craft, you know, as an artist, to come up with a masterpiece? Mm. What, who, the craft of that masterpiece, what, what is the attachment, you know? How do they go through this kind of initiation in their own mind to come up with that idea? Mm. So what can we learn from that which we can use within visual arts? Mm. So, so that's uh, that's part of some of the things which uh, the workshop are interested in. And um, and how how are things in Zambia at the moment? Well, it's um, I think everything when it comes to the virus is concentrated on Lusaka. Yeah. Um, and Livingstone Livingstone is a, it's a small town even if it's like the the main tourist hub of uh, Zambia but it's uh, mm. it is uh, it is quiet in a way compared to Lusaka so there hasn't been any cases yeah but of course because uh, uh, a few shops are open uh, then the most of the things are closed yeah so, which means life uh, making money is been quite hard for the artist. Yeah, uh, yeah. And um, 
Yeah, I I see that uh, because I'm also I see also how paranoid the artists have become. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so there's a there's a WhatsApp group for Zambian contemporary artists. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and COVID and all the politics, uh, race politics is what has now kind of taken over the this uh, uh, WhatsApp group discussions. Mm. Um, which of course it's it's a bit frustration because you feel like uh, yeah, like everyone is taken away from a possibility to for imagination. The pandemic started in China. Mm. Uh, China is uh, bringing uh, all these um, whatever health uh, gears which are needed, but I don't think these are just given for free. No, know? no. It's no. it's credit on credit because a country like Zambia that has probably more than eighteen loans from China, mm. and it's getting this. Mm. It's way. Uh, going to be so much uh, uh, kind of a huge uh, blow on the economy because mm. we I don't think we are about we are going to rise up from this situation after the COVID mm. because our government or our country's economy is already quite it was in distress way before we I mean the all these money loaning were kind of scared to loan us any money. It was only China that did. Mm. And of course, mm. it also means that somehow China is also gone very deep in uh, in, the, in Zambia. Apart from uh, the fact that uh, we have the Tazara rail line that goes from Dar es Salaam to Kapiri, which was built in the 70s, which was built with Chinese money and infrastructure and uh, manpower and uh, know-how. It was not a gift, it was a loan, which Zambia was going to pay over a period of time. What's the name of the airline? The Tazara airline. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't... um, It wasn't... uh, paid that loan was not fully paid Mm, mm. i don't know how much was paid of the loan Mm. but on top of that at least when i was talking to uh, an expert uh uh a year a year and a half ago when i was working on my work uh, a dragon king in sleepy pride rock which actually um researches on the tazara rail line and the relationship with uh, with China and between China and uh, Zambia, mm. he said that there were at least Zambia owed seventeen more loans on top of that loan, mm. on top of the old loan. Mm. Uh, and then it's also very difficult to understand how Zambia is paying back this money because then you you'd also see that somehow. Uh, the media service that there's uh, in the media industry that there are some Chinese interest, you mm. know, and then you realize that the, these rumors about part of the the media being Chinese owned, mm. you know? and also more and more uh, the government is becoming more and more strict, uh, more and more dictatorial mm. uh, for the last. Uh, uh, three years, and uh, and that is scaring. So you kind of feel that there is some kind of uh, of an influence 
Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, so that's just how um, life has become and also just to show how bad the economy is. And then on top of that, it's China. Mm. Uh, so in a way, we, we are going to be so indebted to China and then it would mean that our whole economy will be overrated so much that uh, a lot of uh, kind of uh, raw material will be getting out of China because you wonder sometimes whether we are paying some of the loan through, uh, through some of the raw material which is going on, mm. which is going on which is also very difficult to just point a direct finger to China, you know, a clear <laughs> finger mm. to China, because China also works, uh, the way it distributes its loan is also very different, you know. Mm. So there are probably loans which are paid, uh, like if the government are going to build roads, you know, they're given some money, but then mm. they have to, uh, and then they bring in Chinese uh, um companies to build mm. the roads and then the Chinese companies bring other subcontractors which are Chinese and mm. also sometimes the Chinese government would say that they have money for Zambia mm. uh, which is going to build roads and uh, uh, hospitals or whatever and then they advertise that money in China so Chinese companies apply for that money and then the subcontract other companies which are working on the ground which are also Chinese mm. So, so there's a whole link which is also very difficult to say, like how much is actually Zambia receiving in aid from China, mm. or how much is it receiving in loan. So it's so difficult to kind of, uh, kind of strictly say that they are getting so much amount in aid funding, mm. and they're also getting so much in loans. So it's like, mm. yeah. So it means that it, the hold which China is going to have on Zambia will be much more than what now it is, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, very soon we would have uh, most of the the bigger resource um, companies or um, taken over by China because we already have China mm. has taken over a lot of the, the mining, the copper mining and Mm. And I see that other things are going to be also taken over by China. Mm. So, yeah. so yeah. it's uh, it's like on a local situation, <laughs> on a like on a people, it's it's worse. Yeah. And uh, just from the the situation now, and then uh, from the economy part, those people will still be sent to death somehow. You know. Yeah. Well, if they're not going to die from the COVID, they'll definitely have to die from other things, which has to be kind of coming from all what you call the symptoms of the bad economy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a fear because before coronavirus, the Zambian uh, economy was already free falling. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, from. August last year, when we went in August, we could tell it was the first time I had been in Zambia and I could tell that things were really expensive. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. And because most of the time when people are complaining that things have become expensive and when you just Mm. compare the prices, you see that maybe they've gone up, uh, you know, three, Mm. three quarter more. But now it was very expensive, like a bag of the bag of millimil, 
which is the mm. staple food uh, where, which is used to make staple food in Zambia is mm. was like 100% more oh wow okay. than it costed yeah. and that was in august last year that was in august yeah, yes right yeah no because it's uh, i mean it's uh, they're different uh, i mean you have uh, you have compounds you know mm. which are so so poor where you have uh, 12 people staying in a in a small room you know mm, mm. and and so in a way uh, at the same time you have the police which is uh basically threatening to shoot or beat up people on the streets if they are going to go on the street yeah okay yeah so, yeah so you know you also understand that this social distancing or or quarantine is very much for the for the privileged yeah not for the poor masses that cannot stay home because they need to go and line up to mm. buy some milli meal mm. yeah you know yeah if if you are only allowed to buy a bag of milli meal which is costing 200 kwacha and you cannot afford the 200 kwacha you would look for the milli meal wherever because otherwise even if you stay in that already kind of a, a contaminated no water sanit good water mm. sanitation mm. without proper food also mm. it's also mm. just a death uh, pit for those people yeah yeah so so i think this is also something which um i don't think most people actually understand mm. you know Mm. You can only understand if you are in that situation. Yeah. So, so it's um, it's already these uh, class issues, which in a way uh, are going to be very much heightened in this uh, COVID situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think um, if we were to be hit in the way Italy and other countries or the united states a lot of people are going to die not just the old people yeah yeah so that's the situation yeah i mean the the because i was um i'm writing this this um paper which is called uh, negotiating the the sato encounters but which is also the, where i'm talking about the different shifts between me being in zambia and me being here and the different ways the collapse is doing the the symptoms that come you know the emphasis which come the the bad things that come from it yeah you know the this collapse i mean we saw like beginning of last year and the the last years we've seen how kind of environmental racism has grown yeah, uh, yeah. and and of course uh that more and more that when you are here because it, this is the here in the kind of the european home yeah this is the here where uh, you don't belong and you have to renegotiate mm. to be able to to kind of uh, um carve your own situation your own kind of situation to be or to try and re-emphasize all the time your norwegianness mm. <laughs> if it's there but at the same time, kind of the realization of how uh, probably some of the kind of nationalistic 
ideas of thinking that are going to come up, which will be worse more than what we have already seen, you know. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, it's already sad. I mean, if you follow in the UK, most of the people that have died uh, for uh, from these uh, front workers in the COVID uh, situation, it's mostly immigrants. Yeah, absolutely. In the US too. Yeah. And then you start wondering that. <laughs> yeah. So are uh, these people put in the forefront, are we repeating history, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's so good to talk to you, Anawana. Yeah, me too. Thank you for so much of your time. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, me too. So let's see uh, what comes out of uh, all these corona things. <laughs> okay. So have a lovely day, uh, Martin. Yeah, thanks. You too, Anawana. And thanks mm. again. It was so good to talk to you. And um, uh, yeah, and I'll thank you for your email. Yeah, thanks. And, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'll be in touch. Okay, yeah, yeah. take care. Mm. <laughs> yeah, take care too. Okay, bye for now. Yeah, bye for now.